Hey, welcome back to the Infamous Podcast. This is Brian. This is Daryl. This is take two. I'm actually recording this time. I can see it. It's recording. Uh, this is episode 382, uh, The New Adventures of a Last Generation. We have literally been talking for the last seven minutes, and you guys missed some really funny stuff, if I do say so myself. Um, Daryl learned that I have been making bets where his life is what I've been betting against. Um, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. I wish you guys heard it. <laughs> and it, it was awesome. People will be ranting and raving in the alternate timeline. I'm yeah. In the timeline where I did hit record. <laughs> yes. People will, people will definitely love it. Anyway. Uh, all right. So this week we have Jonathan majors news, um, which I will reiterate. For those of you who didn't hear my my talk about this before, I don't care about this story, but it's at the point where it's news. We we're talking about the Mandalorian series, maybe season. I don't know finale. Um, we we're talking about Ted Lasso season three, episode six, and we we're talking about Picard the series finale. Um, Daryl, how are you? Which was lit, 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 as the kids say. Um, no cap. Uh, I don't even know what no cap means, so I'm assuming I used it right. But yeah, you did. I'll bet your it, life it on it that I used it right. Once again, <laughs> it, you will be right this time. It means no lie. So yeah. Anyway, uh, how are you? Are you fine? How do you feel about learning that I've been making bets on things with your life as the <laughs> the collateral? Well, uh, considering it to you, I would expect no less. Mm. Uh, because considering that every time we say betting something in someone's life, it always ends up being mine. Uh, <laughs> oh, good damn oh, you. Excuse me. Yes. And as everyone missed, I just told him that I hope that I don't answer the door with a seven foot tall, thin guy with a scythe and a hoodie saying, Hey, Brian lost the bet. You know what that means. I'm just telling you, it does not. It does not happen. I do not do not lose bets often, because as we've uh, learned, as we have learned, <laughs> I'm nearly always right. So, okay, again, <laughs> there are two qualifiers in there that I don't lose bets often. And I'm nearly always right. I, that does not instill confidence in me that the. Reaper's going to knock on my door. Like, I mean, what kind of confidence instances. do you really need to have? You or me? <laughs> you. <laughs> anyway. All right. Let's get, let's get going here. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Jonathan Majors, he's a bad boy, allegedly. He, he did some things. Um, apparently, other people did things to him. This, this could not have come at the worst time for this guy. We both raved about him in Creed 3. He was, with what little dialogue he had, he was very good. I kind of felt like his, his character was not as fleshed out as it should have been. It was and, not. You know, but he was good. You've liked him in the other things you've seen him in. Um, I did yeah, not I've get seen- past the first, like, 30 minutes of Woodcraft Country or whatever the fuck it was called. Um, Lovecraft country. Yeah, that's what I said. Um, and, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, who knows anyway? So 
He's got a court date coming up on May 8th for where he allegedly, I'm going to use allegedly because we do not know. And he, he, we are, we are to, we are supposed to be giving him the presumption of innocence, innocence until proven guilty without a shadow of a doubt. This is not like we, where we have seen a video of someone choke slamming someone to the ground. Ezra Miller. Dude, cut it out. Ezra, quit being that guy. Quit choke slamming people. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, so he allegedly got into an altercation with a girlfriend. He um, allegedly, according to this stuff, choked her and, and, and like roughed her up a little bit. Um, and she allegedly, again, because she gets the presumption of innocence as well, um, took his phone from him or something. Tried to. Tried to. So Jonathan Major's attorneys, since this all went down, say that they have video evidence, that they have proof, they have like things that will exonerate him immediately. And I understand waiting for court, right? Mm-hmm. But like he's losing jobs. He got dropped by his manager. Like he's yeah. he's getting the Gina Carano treatment more than the Johnny Depp yeah. treatment right now. Yes, he lost two roles that as, as that we know of and then a advert with He lost a couple different major adverts. League baseball. Yeah, he cuz he lost uh, that one with the army too. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the army, yeah, the one that they started and then they pulled. Yep. And like you said, he got dropped by his management as well. And so, you know, he's supposed to be like Marvel Disney is sitting sitting back on this one, which is what they should have done to Johnny Depp. Yes. So I, I'm I'm just gonna put that out there, and and I think if Jonathan Majors were were white, he would have been fired immediately from Disney. Likely. I mean, Honestly, I, I'm like, like, I mean, like I mean, you just, yeah. Look, and I, and you, you, you'll probably remember this better than I do, but I remember how they did the, the whole thing with James uh, Gunn. Oh yeah. And, and they and knew the, about yeah. the James Gunn stuff. Like they knew yeah. about that stuff from the first guardians movie that yeah. came out. They didn't need they to wait for a third one or second one or whenever right. the hell that was. Um, yeah. But then we saw what happened. He got hired right back. Yeah. Almost immediately. So, um, and now he's running DC studios. Maybe someone should bring those tweets back up. So he doesn't make Superman black. Yes, please. Just saying, you yes, know, please. just saying, uh, any, 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 any whoosical, if you will. Um, so yeah, so I, I think, uh, I think there's much ado about like hurry up and wait with this. Mm. So this happened in New York, but the problem is, is now, as happens with these things, right? People are coming out of the woodwork. There's other women who are coming out, or not just women, other victims who uh, are are cooperating with the New York DA's office. And let's be honest, the New York DA's office is not a shining example of of fair and unbiased law law enforcement right now. Oh, okay. um, so it no, they're pawn scum. Yeah, I, I'll say that they're pawn scum. But I think the biggest problem is he his people put out these text messages. Where yes, which was it did not go the way they wanted it to go because it says here, um, she grabbed the phone and then he roughed her up, like you know, and like he apologized for roughing her up or whatever it was. And, um, it's just sad. It's like, okay, is this like a Rihanna Chris Brown thing where he's been doing this, or is this just two people who were? drinking or whatever like they were going to something and then they just got in they like you know mm-hmm. they they both like yeah. 
did bad things, right? Right. Uh, I'm not saying there's ever an excuse for a man to put his hand on a woman. On a woman, I don't believe there ever is. Like, even if a woman hits you, you are you. Yeah. Like, I don't believe in that kind of no, quality, ladies. I, I will, no, I will qualify that is as long as you or someone else that you care about, like true physical safety is not in danger. Okay. Meaning like a slap is I'll not give you that in qualifier. danger. Yeah. But I, like a true, truly in physical danger, anyone is. You know, you I mean, that goes for but, anyone. Like if, if, yeah, like if some yeah. woman pulled a gun on my daughter, right, I'm going to take her apart, like mm-hmm. hands down. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like if, yeah. if something happened, and again, this is happens like just like on the streets mm-hmm. with something. If you, it's best quickly as you can extricate yourself from yeah. the situation. Now that is the you're driving in a, in a car, and you know obviously that's not the easiest thing to that's do. That's not. Right? You really can't do that. Yeah, you can't do do that until obviously the car stops. Right. So, at which, and again, there's a lot of. This happened supposedly, or this allegedly yeah. happened. Like the one thing where he was the one that allegedly set told the driver to stop the car. Mm-hmm. We've heard from the beginning that there is footage from the car. Right. There's likely footage, and I'm, when I say likely, I'm not talking. I about think there's supposed to be police did. body cam footage too. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There's likely footage from that. I'm, I'm I'm just going about you know how generally body cams are, especially yeah. somewhere in New York. I would assume. So but, yeah. We don't. We don't know. We're we're we are just in that kind of no man's land where. So we have we know two, the initial charges. We have two articles, right? So we have two articles in the show notes. I, I encourage you to go read them. The first one is from Variety, and it's about how these are issues are worsening from alleged abuse victims cooperating with the the DA's office. The second one, and I'm hesitant to share this one because it's CNN, um, but it's got quotes directly from his. Uh, from Jonathan Majors' attorney. Uh, act, attorney for actor Jonathan Majors denies additional abuse allegations, saying he'll be fully exonerated. And the thing that got me was... Um, where was it? You remember what we were talking about earlier. Um, mm-hmm. I forget what I was... Uh, what I had said. Um, oh, uh, that... You know, CNN, it's, oh, uh, we we reached CNN by Wednesday night. A spokesman for the Manhattan District Attorney declined comment. CNN has not been able to independently confirm the LGH. That's what, I, so that was the first thing. Um, but he has the, like, they both have the presumption of innocence here. Like, because right. they were talking about, oh, no, that's what it was. So they talk about how, like, she was, uh, she said, okay, here, here it is. Uh, Major's attorney has also provided CNN screenshots of messages to Major's Major's purportedly sent by the woman. And one, she purportedly wrote that investigators do not have my blessing on any charges being placed. So here's the funny thing about this. And and this is like, this is something people probably don't know because their whole idea of law enforcement is from television. You don't have to be the one to press charges, especially when it comes to assault cases, especially when it's domestic violence. The police have the right to make those charges even if you don't want them to. Mm-hmm. And if they have enough evidence, which they have to feel like they have enough evidence to be pressing charges, like or pursuing charges, um, 
then there, the the information that's out there or the information that's available that we have not seen yet might be more damning than they're saying. And his lawyer is doing the right thing, saying, like, oh, no, we deny. Like, we deny, deny, deny. Um, and, you know, you hear that a lot. Well, he'll be fully exonerated. I mean, that doesn't typically happen. Um, and again, but like she can, she can say, I don't want to press charges all I want. But when there are witnesses, there's video, there's things like that. The police have the ability to look at the evidence that they have so far in press charges. Yes, I, I will say say this as well. Like you said, you know, people have a confusion about law enforcement because of TV, but they also have because law enforcement is very inconsistent with stuff like this True. as well. True. Where you have instances where it's obvious what happened, and they don't, and sometimes it's because the the person that did it knows some a person, and so. This is one of those that not nobody, the only two people that truly know what happens. Well, well three. Three, yeah, yeah, actually. Three people that truly know what happened are him, her, and the driver. Those, those are the mm-hmm. only people, unless unless something happened outside when they got outside the car, then there might, if, if there was some kerfuffle or scuffle then, but yeah. the initial exchange the, from everything that that we can confirm that it happened inside the car. It's Jonathan majors, the woman and the driver. Yeah. So, and, and I, it's just, I, I, I agree with you as far as the way that Marvel is handling it. I, I don't even, have we even heard any type of, no, they haven't, they haven't made a them? statement. It's been nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and okay. yeah, there, there have been rumors about recasting with the guy from snowfall, um, on FX and that sort of thing. So who who knows? Um, but here's the thing: this this will get worse for him before it gets better. Um, you know, he was arraigned, so there the, he's got. You know, we'll, we'll know more on May eighth. I guess yeah. is and is you what. made and and, it, and we uh, just to make a comparison again. Different different things. This would be allegedly worse if it was true. But the whole Deshaun Watson situation, oh yeah, how that played out. Now he did sit out a year. He absolutely sat out a year. But now you know, and then he signed the, the first hundred percent guaranteed contract for a quarterback. That's ever. because the Browns are the stupidest organization the stupid. on the planet. Yeah. Not just in sports, yes. just the stupidest organization that has ever yes. existed. One of the, maybe one of the maybe the dumbest contract situation yes. I've ever seen. However, what you made a good point, and again. It's Hollywood and the NFL. The NFL really doesn't care. They say they do. Yeah, they don't care. But they don't. But Hollywood dropped the ball on Harvey Weinstein. And so they're oh, very... They're overcorrected. And, and they went they went so deep into the Me Too stuff that like people were getting like canceled and fired for just being creeps. Right. Like Kaz Anvar. Like Kaz Anvar didn't do anything wrong. He was just creepy trying to get laid. Yes. Like, should you lose your job for that? No. Should you be invited to conventions as a featured guest? No. Yeah. I, that's I, the easy way to deal with that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, I'm also kind of sensitive to that because he just died in my rewatch. Alex just died while I was watching it. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Let's, uh, I know I made it to season six already. I kind of like, it took me a while to get through season four and then I just motored through season five cause it's so good. Um, but let's, we've been talking about this for 12 minutes. So moving on, oh God, almost 14, almost 13 minutes. All right, moving on. Um, the Borlorian. 
I mean, I'm sorry, the Mandalorian. <laughs> Which so, Mandalorian? The, well, that's the question, right? So <laughs> we're gonna get, we're gonna get the we're gonna get the ratings out of the way up front. So for this episode, Chapter Twenty Four: The Return, directed by Rick Famuyiwa, Famuyiwa, written by John Favavery. Um, <laughs> out of five, his surname is Dins. I'll give this two point seven five. Wow, wow, that is a high score. Mm-hmm. I went with a solid two. <laughs> There and are so many things in this that do not make sense. The fact that they continue to have have Gideon, like Gideon should never have been the big bad. No. No. And the the whole fact that they were all Gideon clones who he was trying to give the force to was stupid. Yeah. He uh, he was what? able to crush the Beskar Darksaber. Well, this and, is the thing. Yeah. He he absolutely and, and it, they never say it, but you 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 know just by the sound of it he has a almost an augmented suit. On. He does, but like it's Beskar. You can't just like crush Beskar. I mean, like anyway. So there's that, and then uh, the clone shit. Like you know he's gonna be back again. Like maybe that was a clone, or maybe one of his clones survived, or something stupid like that. And then. Uh, are we just going to pretend like Mandalorian um, jetpacks can get to space? Well, that would have been fine if they didn't show a couple episodes before they're running out of juice when they were you know, right. chasing that big bird. Right. And that was I, it was one of the things. So when I, the reason I gave it, to, I, I, I enjoyed it. I would have enjoyed it more. And I'd have probably, if, the episode beforehand didn't leave me with such a sour taste because everything you're saying I had issues with. Mm-hmm. I still really like the action sequences. I, I also like the finale, the finale or the potential finality. Oh, you, you mean with the cheesy ass Looney Tunes ending that they did? Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't care about that. I thought that was silly, but I'm talking about the ending itself mm-hmm. and getting Din back to what we thought he was going to be. Anyway. Sure. A bounty hunter. Right. Um, okay, so I, I, I have some nits to pick. I, didn't you just knit your pick? No, no. That was the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> All right. So the Mandalorians, who are an advanced group of f- fighters with jetpacks, can only go forward and backwards. In battle, that like when we saw them on the Clone Wars, they're flying all over the place, up and down, fighting in like you know all of the planes on the X and Y axis and three dimensions. Um, yet here they're just like we're gonna fly straight at you, and then we're gonna come and we're gonna come back around and we're gonna fly straight at you again. And then, th- as much as I love Emily Swallow as the armorer, like how are you not lighting her like fur coat on fire? Like, how are you letting, how are you getting close enough to her to let her hit you with her hammer? You are right. You have guns. You, you are at a range, just like open fire on her and like hope that it hits one of the, the gap, the, one of the many gaps in the Beskar armor that they have. So again, I, I, there are a couple of things with that. One is I would agree with you, except this it's more. From a the way those jetpacks are built, it makes more sense that actually 
that the cartoon was doing stuff that those jetpacks aren't built for. It, it j- just just by the planes of where it's coming out of, it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. As far as what they're doing with her, yeah, I thought it, it was pretty cool that she, you know, she's fighting with her hammer and everything. But she is only a melee fighter in that regard. So the fact that she didn't get hit, yeah. Even though, look, I I understand that as fast as they're going, it's not that. I don't care if you're practiced with that; it's still mm-hmm. not that easy. But she is still a melee fighter. She can only get up close to you. It would have worked so much better so, if she was on the ground fighting ground troopers. Is yes. what I'm saying. Yes. Like she could have yes. flown down to the ground, and then there's like been just like braining bitches with that hammer and the and the pickers. Yeah. Um, Everything didn't need to be taken place. No. I, I don't think in the in the sky like that. The it, CG it was of, awful. Also. Yeah. And like you said that before, and that didn't bug me like it usually does because they did it in cuts and that just, it just really didn't bother me mm-hmm. because it, the way it was cut. Yeah. Um, but I, I, they could have done a better job of having a battle both in the air and on the ground. Yeah. That would have been more effective. And you could have seen guys getting knocked out of the ground and then to the ground and then taking a fight. But the biggest thing with this episode is that it felt rushed. Sure. Cause it's the shortest you know, episode to, of the season. Yes. From start to finish, all this stuff happened where you really needed more time. Mm-hmm. And that's when you, we go back and we have those breaks in these episodes where you know, the Pershing thing mm-hmm. was not necessary. The Jack Black episode was not necessary. Yeah, that was not necessary in any so, way. The pirate stuff so, was not necessary. Yeah. So with that said, I think the this episode was showed me at least for myself that you know the whole sum of the parts mm-hmm. and when you put everything together it's worse off than it should be <laughs> right based on the ratings okay so because i have more just, I, ha- I have more yeah i'm not done <laughs> so would you like to know more would you like to know more i don't care i'm telling you more um so paz Vizla went out like a jobber like after like just like wrecking the other stormtroopers right to the praetorian oh. guard he like, you know, I mean, he had no weapons, yet we saw him like chucking dudes, like it was a pumpkin chucking contest in the Midwest. And then like they stab him. Now, you had Din going through a video game level uh laser field by laser field by laser field, adding and dropping weapons as he went, only to get to the point where he was fighting the three um the three Praetorian guards with nothing again. He all of a sudden didn't have anything for, for a little while there. Um, and then he's fighting Gideon again with nothing, no, uh, no real weapons of, of anything to speak of until Bo gets there with the dark saber. And then he goes off to help Grogu who, who decided to run, like come in. Why, why, why is Grogu coming with you? He's a baby. He, he can't even talk. He's just can say, yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Via computer. Voice. Well, Via Taika Waititi's voice. (laughs) Except he was the one that saved Mando and Bo. We'll we'll get to that. (laughs) Yeah. So so the the Praetorians take and like corner IG-12 run Kang, Grogu, um, into another room. And they just they they take the, the droid apart immediately. Uh, and Grogu is able to run around on a convenient plate, conveniently placed like rel- 
model railroad railroad track or something right around the top of the lighting room lighting fixture or something like whatever that. Whatever it was. Um, so here's what we've learned about Grogu. He was with Luke Skywalker for two years. He learned how to jump really high. He learned how to move things just a little bit, but he did not learn how to force lift a lighting fixture off of himself that fell on top of him. Yes. And uh, then not even a little bit. And then they want me to believe he can go full Kanan Jarrus when Kanan was at the height of his power to the point where the force gave him his eyes back so he could see Hera as he saved her life and do a force bubble. Fuck you, John Favreau, and fuck you, Rick Famiwea. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. We've seen Grogu do something much more than sure. you know, moving stuff a little bit, or and this this is where the inconsistency. But he of did the that series. stuff, moving stuff before he went with Luke, like when he picked oh, up the Bullrog thing. That's yeah, that's the whole point of what I'm saying is that this is where, and this has nothing to do with season three. That well, not nothing. It does have to do with season three, but it has to do with the inconsistency in writing right. of the Mandalorian show. Is that what was that thing called? Uh, the kind of like the huge rhino thing where he stopped it. Yeah. The bullrog thing or whatever. Yeah. 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 Where they got the egg and, then, and the, yeah. Yeah. And then you go from that. Mm -hmm. And again, he tossed that one creature when they were first got to Mandalore, he tossed him like 20 feet in the air. And then, and, and again, that kind of goes to your point, what you're saying, you know, you couldn't move a light fixture off of yourself. He was ragdolling stormtroopers eight episodes ago. Nine episodes yes. ago. And, and this is where so many shows frustrate me when they, with the power level consistency, mm -hmm. and, and not just shows, but comics do this a yeah. whole bunch, yeah. where it's, come on, you have something set. If you want something to happen, you have to write smart enough where it's believable in this canon, not just say, okay, this guy has his diminished power. And, and so this is the issue that we've had throughout the three seasons, that inconsistency Go, going back to that Din Djarin, Din Djarin started off as a badass bounty hunter. He mm -hmm. was, and he, and you saw that in the several episodes mm -hmm. in the first couple of seasons, this season, it was like, oh, he forgot how to fight. He was always trying having to get rescued. And then he, and he, then he took on the three Praetorians by mm -hmm. himself, basically. And what I said about that is that's the Din Djarin I thought we were going to get but we didn't have this Din Djarin all season. And then he just happens to, you know, learn how to fight again. And it, I don't have, I have no problem with him. Taking well, they got the, the right stunt guy in the suit for that episode, I guess. Yes. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a problem with him taking down the Praetorians. Right. However, I do have a problem with how they handled the whole Praetorian. Yeah. You know, reveal last week and what, and the whole thing with Paz Vizsla, that is one. Of, and that's why I say, Yes, I have. You're saying this is a high rating for this episode because I did enjoy a lot of this episode. But when I look back and put everything together, that's why my rating for the whole season as the season as a whole is going to be a lot lower than some would think based on a couple of the ratings I gave individual episodes. Sure. So like Paz Vizsla's kid, after all this, gets baptized in the living waters of Mandalore after they relight the forge, which I will admit, relighting the forge was pretty cool. Um, yeah. But he gets it. And then like Den's like, oh, well, I mean, we can't just let this kid have his day. Let's let's baptize my kid, too. Yeah. 
And they're like, oh, well, he can't talk. He's like, well, then I'll adopt him. Like, what? So this is where this is where he should have been like the way this is like something. Yeah, something. Honestly, I really thought he was going to say something. It was so it's so in the. The fact that they're so obsessed with this little thing as a toy that does not sell because with season one, they didn't have stuff to hit the market until months later, months later. All right. It's been two years since the last Mandalorian season. And then we got a couple good Mandalorian episodes in the middle of that travesty that was Book of Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. I still never watched episode four, by the way. Um. Uh, what Boba Fett? Because remember, I was like, after three, I'm like, I'm done. And then episodes oh, yeah. five and six were anyway. Um, it's not necessary to it's have not. an eight episode series and to waste half of what was that? Uh, half of episode three, all of episode, um, was it five or six? All of episode six, and then most of episode five. Okay, yeah. The only good thing that happened in episode five was we got to see Zeb, but like, why is Zeb there? Why? Why just use Zeb in the background? This isn't. Yeah. This isn't Chekhov's Zeb. <laughs> this isn't Chekhov's Lassan. Right. It didn't come fact, back for anything. Yes. Yes. That abs- That in and of itself. And again, I think I said this when it happens. Like, we'll see what they do with him mm-hmm. going forward. Nothing. <laughs> but the fact that that was just a, oh, this will really tickle the fans and get them talking on social media. Mm-hmm. You know what? Don't make your shows for that reason. If you're make th- if you're if you're having to deal do tricks like that, that tells me one, you don't have confidence in your show. Two, you're just you don't have confidence in your show as a whole. And two, you don't have confidence in being able to write a story that a super solid story, right? Yes. If you were going to have him come up and show up for some reason later on mm-hmm. and, and maybe he'll show up in Ahsoka, who knows if, if, if it now, if that's the case, no, it, it's still not necessary to show him here. If you're going to have him show up in Ahsoka, have him show up in Ahsoka, not give this little 22nd member Barry uh, clip where he does really nothing. Right. Right. All right, so then um, this all finishes. She kicks the armor, kicks Den and Den. Oh yeah, by the way, his name is Den Grogu now. Just uh, yes. just heads up. So Den is his surname. So he's like Asian of some kind, um, where right. the last name is the first name. Um, so his name is Jaren. Yeah. So okay. So Den Jaren and Den Grogu. Uh, go back to Navarro. Um, well, first they go and they see Carson Tiva, and he's like, you know, I want to work for the, I want to work, I want to work for the New Empire. I mean, the New Republic. And uh, you know, while we're at it, I want to get paid under the table because I don't want to pay taxes. And while we're at it, I need that droid head. Like, it was the like, there was so little like heart or anything in that scene. There was no like hope coming out of it. And then they go back to Navarro. He gives Grief Cargo the pieces he needs to rebuild IG-11. And then we get this Looney Tunes ending of them on the the cabin that Grief Cargo gives them. When I think the Mandalorians own a big plot of land. 
Surprisingly yeah, there. Um, again, just inconsistencies. And, and then when it ends, it does the little like Looney Tunes, like black screen down to a circle on Grogu and yeah. pauses for a second while he's lifting a frog, which apparently is his main force ability. And then fades to black. Yes. This was like, I hope this is the end of this show. Like the, 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 the what we came out of with the end of season two and the excitement and that we had, this. and then yes. we get in succession the book of Boba Fett and or uh, Obi-Wan and then this. Yeah. It's it's just like, stop. Stop making Star yeah. Wars. Just cut well, it out. And again, I will say second half of Andor is actually very, very good writing. That's great. But I want a whole like I, I don't I don't want to look at like like when we talk about Luke Cage and we're like the first half of Luke Cage season one is great. The yeah. second half of Luke Cage season two is great. Let's just mash them together and make a great season. Yeah. That's a little yeah. disjointed because the bad guy changes halfway through and neither one of them they really get dealt with. Um like, now, no, I'm yeah. not saying that the first half of Andor was bad. It wasn't. It was just, to me, it was a little boring. It, it, to everyone, boring. every person Boba, who I've talked to. It wasn't. Like, it's so it slow It was not Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't Book of Boba Fett bad. It wasn't Obi-Wan bad. Mm -hmm. It actually was, it, like, Andor season one is far and away better than season three of Mandalorian. Yeah, like, well. Heads and shoulders. Sure. Stuff. The problem that may is, be the and case. again, all of this, is, it is the case. The pro this is the problem, though. It doesn't matter because when you do what you just said, mm -hmm. you do Book of Boba Fett, you do uh, Obi-Wan, you do all the stuff in the movies, you do this stuff even when you get good products, yep. even when you get do a good job. You know what people are saying? We don't trust you. We're yeah, we're not going to do that. We're and, done. And that's why when, when you see that about Andor and not, make, and, you know, not being in the top ten, I was like, you know what? It, it's not it's not good enough to be yeah. good enough. You I'm so everything else. All of this is connected. Yeah, all of this is connected. I'm so afraid to see what kind of prison bitch they're going to make the show Ahsoka, and what they're going to do to it in a closet when the guards aren't looking. Because <laughs> they're going to do that to air the Empire. Anyway. Dude, I'm re like I said, I'm on book two now. And yeah, that's so good. Anyway, all right. So that was a great segue to out of 10 lost momentums. Uh, I give se uh, a season <laughs> 10 lost momentums. Yeah, season three, gives, I give that a 4.16. I went with a 4.15. <laughs> did you just change that? I did. <laughs> <laughs> Because I liked it less than you, and I could not. <laughs> I, I was thinking you were coming with like a six, and be like, I mean, it was oh, okay. Dude, no. no, yeah, no. That's what no. I told you. That no. the sub, like when you would, the sum of the parts, you put it together. Even if each individual part is okay mm -hmm. in my book, when you put it together, it brings everything down. Right. So you are correct. All right. Let's move on to something that we liked. Um, with uh, believe 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 uh ted lasso season three episode six sunflowers um out of five where's come post on at? what where's post malone where's post malone yeah sunflower uh, is that grunge i don't i don't yeah. i've never heard a post malone into the, song into the spider 
first song. Is that Post Malone? Yeah. Is that song called Sunflowers? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> anyway, so out of five, come on, who was surprised that Trent was gays? What do you give this episode? <laughs> I give this one a 3.65. Nice. I went with a 3.91. Um, I I was not as harsh about the first half as, of this episode as you are. Um, I think, again, I think part of that was my expectations based on what you said. Mm-hmm. And I oh, was expecting yeah. it to come out with a game. So that might have colored our expectations just a little bit. Yeah. But there's no doubt the second half we were very, very entertained yes. and liked it a lot. Yeah, very much. Um, so they're in Amsterdam. Uh, for a friendly with AFC Ajax, not to be confused with Ajax, the cleaning uh, solution, or Ajax, the villain from Deadpool. Um, This is the football club. Ajax in the whole Siege of Troy. Mm, Not too. Anyway, um, so they lose pretty bad, apparently. Um, And 5-0. They're all fighting, and they're not getting along, so Ted does the one thing he can do. He gives them a free night, no curfew, in the city of Amsterdam, where the team continues to fight and, um, you know, uh, argue over what they're going to do. Van Dam, um, otherwise known as Zorro, uh, wants to go to a, sec- a live sex show, and the rest of them want to go to some party two hours away. <laughs> yeah. I will say it was really funny. And then when they all decide that they are going to go to the party, they're like, all right, where are we going to eat? <laughs> I was really frustrated to start because I kept saying, okay, there's going to be a turnaround sometime. And then you see them get just blasted at the, well, you don't see it, but you see the end of the game. It's five. nil. yes, it's a friendly, it's an exhibition, but they get blasted. And I'm thinking, come on, this is enough of them just getting their teeth kicked in. And then we have this episode. And then at the end of that episode, at the end of this episode, I'm thinking, okay, this is it. This is where you turn it around. Yeah. Because everything is in line now. If you have the right. teams, it, you, they, again, like you were said, they were arguing over where to go. So, and I feel like this episode had a great tipping point where it went into like, okay, we're going to be, we're going to be happy now is when Rebecca is walking around looking for something to do, just kind of out on her own, doing her thing. Um, and uh, she gets run off the bike path and uh, um, falls into the, I don't know what river that is. Um, and uh, some dude who's just sitting there smoking notices her and jumps um, jumps in or doesn't jump in to save her. He's like, here, come here. I'll help you. I'll help you. And then like yeah. swim to the back. <laughs> so um, that guy was great. I loved how they didn't like share names. Yeah, I know. That, that was funny. The, it, was, it was just this weird, like, is he going to drug her? What's happening here? Um, like, uh, and one, I thought it was a great depiction of Rebecca. Like, she had her hair down for the first time in the series. Yeah. Like, she was not all done up. She was in this nice, like, sundress, like, like genuinely smiling. They were They were singing songs together, drinking wine, drinking bourbon. You know, it was... Like, I really, really thoroughly enjoyed the Rebecca storyline. Yeah. 
and at first for me it was a little bit when i say just with the guy it was very and this is actually pretty good acting and writing and because i'm watching it i'm thinking man this is so awkward how they're starting out here just the 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 back and forth and then you see them start to get comfortable with one another and i again there's a lot of develop character Mm -hmm. development and because this guy represents someone who had a, the very similar thing happen to him where right. he says, you know, he t- talks about his wife and how she cheated on him. And right. he's like, I love how what he said. He's like, it did. I, I realized it, it, it didn't happen to me. It happened for me. Right. And that helps him, you know, get, get his mind right and move along because mm-hmm. Rebecca, even, even still, is at that point where Rup- everything Rupert does and says can still get to her. Oh, yeah. And that's where she has to... And I think this is going to be that point where she under she actually puts it into effect where it's, it's just Rupert, and then she just smiles, and it's not going to bother her. Because there needs to be a point where she moves on from that. And right. I think this episode... Is huge for her character, you know, going on the rest of this season. Yep. Oh, one hundred percent. Like, I think she's finally getting over like what Rupert had done to her, and right. We're gonna we're gonna see a different version of her. I think, you know, um, so you have Beard and and Ted figuring out what they're gonna do, and Ted says something, and. Beard's like, I've been waiting for you to say this my whole life. And he comes back with mushroom tea. Um, <laughs> and they're, they're talking and, and, and Ted's like tea. <laughs> Cause he hates tea, which I thought was, it was just a great like character beat. Right. Um, and beard just downs it, just downs it. And, uh, and then Ted's like, Oh, I don't like, he takes a sip and he's like, Oh no, I'm not, I'm not drinking. <laughs> and, and beard, is like, oh, oh, and he's freaking out, freaking out, freaking out. And Ted's like, all right, fine, go. And he's like, see you later, boss. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't see Beard. Um, but you see Until Ted yeah. trying to kind of figure out, like, what's going on? Because he thinks he's high. Because we, we learn later on that it was a dud batch of mushrooms. Um, so yeah. it didn't, none of it, like, worked. Um, so That was like Euro Trip. I've, st- I've still never seen that movie. Simply Dutch Bakery. It's not hash brownies. <laughs> and that was in Amsterdam, too, actually, now that I think about it. That's that funny. Um, <laughs> so, but Ted goes out, and he's, like, just walking around, thinking he's high. He ends up at this American bar that he wanted to go to for a taste of home. And Beard's like, two and a half stars, no thanks. Um, and he's in there, and, and, like, you know, he's just, it was funny, because all the waiters and waitresses were Australian. They didn't understand. Yeah. They didn't know anything about America. And he's trying, Ted's just trying to have a, like a conversation about back home. Um, and he ends up sitting in like the Chicago or the Windy City section, as they, they called it. And uh, there's a Bulls game on and he's watching and he's kind of like high. And he's got this notebook that this guy gave him at the art museum. And he borrows a pen from the waitress. And he just starts like going to town based on the Phil Jackson triangle offense. Um, and I thought it was a really good representation of describing what this triangle offense was, especially the way the bulls ran it versus the way they ran it with Kobe. Um, yeah. And, uh, 
I don't want to go, I don't want to geek out too much about that, but, um, cause I could, but, uh, he, he comes up with a whole new form of soccer. <laughs> At least he thinks he does. Total football. Uh, what was he going to, he called it something else and, and beard's like, well, Oh yeah. Why don't we call it total football? And, and he's like, yeah, that's good. He said, it should be, they invented it here in 1970, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, but the the idea of like letting the guys imp- improvise and, and play to their strengths instead of forcing them mm-hmm. into these rigid roles. And it, it's a great like that was the that was the whole message of this episode because you had Higgins, who I was pretty sure was trying to sleep with Will there for a minute. Um like oh no i yeah, i know i'm kidding higgins is too wholesome I'm but teasing, yeah because it, yeah. it, well, it, it was funny because so weird the higgins like kept, i have a date in the red light district <laughs> yeah well when he first said that i'm like oh it's his wife showing up that's kind of weird but okay yeah. and then yeah it, it was what and everybody every time he said that everybody would people would look at each other and say nah yeah and you know what is the guy what is the kid's name will 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 yeah I really like that. It, you know, they, they, you know, they share that time where, where he's talking about the, you know, the jazz and uh, the guy. What was his name? Chet something. Yeah. And you know, going to a jazz show. And <laughs> I love how Will just matter of factly says after all this, after they, you know, they, and Higgins gets to play bass on on stage, in in the crowd, in front of a crowd and everything. And then we get we get at the end. Will says, "Oh yeah, there's this nice couple. They invited me over for a threesome, <laughs> and and that's it. You you uh, there's nothing else. You don't know what happened there. Right. But I I just like because we we only get the those like sparse moments with Will and watching him bond with Higgins. And I thought that was again that's a nice little character moment for both of them because we know how much well we knew Higgins was a you know, like music, but we didn't, mm-hmm. I don't think we really knew, you know, how much he was into this. And I, I thought that was a nice little aside with his character. Yeah. Um, and again, we get the, obviously the, you know, the Trenton Collins storyline, which despite knowing why they put it in there. Mm-hmm. And again, I know this, this, this sounds, I, we talk about the whole Keeley thing, which, yeah. I'm really tired of that. I'm right. tired of that already. I'm glad she wasn't in this episode. I'm just tired of her. You no, know, this just this whole storyline with Jack. Despite I know them putting, to me, them putting the whole Colin thing in there for the you know the award show and stuff. I actually really liked the scenes with him and and uh, Trent because to me, what he says to Trent about yeah, you know, I have this part of me right. and then I have this other part. This is what I'm talking about where people you don't have to be a certain skin color to relate to someone right. or a certain sex or a certain you know uh sexuality that what he was saying mm-hmm. pretty much everyone at some point in their life felt like that right where they were they could not be themselves for some reason and they have these two whole parts of themselves that they want to make whole that is what i'm talking about mm-hmm. when when i when i get so frustrated with hollywood and then and or when other people where I hear people say, well, you know, seeing someone that looks like me. No, mm-hmm. you don't need anyone to look like you. There's nothing that I can relate necessarily relate to. I'm not a footballer. Right. I'm not, you know, I'm not, well, I'm not Welsh. You know, I don't talk about Welsh independence on Twitter, 
I, you know, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not white. I'm not gay. Wait, none of that stuff. Since when but, do you not talk about Welsh independence on Twitter? <laughs> How do you, oh, you had, you knew my other handle? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Welsh <laughs> independence fan, 1776. <laughs> but I relate it to everything was Colin was saying, because again, at some time or another, yeah. we all feel that way, whether we want to admit it or not, where we don't feel like we fit in somewhere. And I, that's that's good writing when you can write something that it can touch anybody. And I, I just love where, and like you said, uh, you know, based on the ratings, it was no surprise at all mm-hmm. that Trent was gay. None mm-hmm. at all. Not not one not one bit surprising. So I I, I, I was really more surprised to find out he had a son. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the the Trent Colin thing was actually one of my favorite parts of the episode because it, it like, absolutely was. I, I think. Anybody going through any like crisis of, of identity, like mm-hmm. could do with a mentor like that. And yes, you know, and, and it was, it was really, it was really great um, to see. And uh, I think, uh, I, you know, I want, I want to see more of them, you know, throughout, throughout the, the series now um, as like right. that, that friendship. Uh, and then my favorite part of the episode, um, Jamie and Roy. <laughs> oh my god! They get on the bus and they're talking about going out, and then Roy, Jamie gets on the bus, and then Roy gets on the bus, and he's like, "Hey, let's go!" <laughs> <laughs> and like, Jamie is obviously like changing because he's out running and like enjoying himself. Like he knows everything right. about Amsterdam, um, and it was great to watch Roy struggle to keep up with Jamie. And then the the new evolution of their friendship with Jamie teaching Roy how to ride a bike, um, which means was, by the transcendental properties of teaching someone to ride a bike, Jamie is now Roy's daddy. <laughs> anyway, I've been waiting to say that since since so Tuesday the first, night. Yeah, when so that part you haven't watched Shit's Creek, have you? Yeah, I have, have watched you? the first season and a half, and I do think it's very funny. Yeah, so there is a, a, a scene where one of the characters does not know how to ride a bike, <laughs> and when when I and that was the first thing I said to Jess when we saw that, it was like, it, this reminds me so much of Shit's Creek. And again, we get another confirmation how just how horrid a father Jamie has. Well, he brought him to Amsterdam when he was 14 to pay for him to have sex with the hooker. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just like, I, I, you know, I, again, we've talked about this before. Jamie's arc for me is the best arc in these, 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 this mm-hmm. season, this series thus far. Mm-hmm. And just watching him build layer upon layer of different aspects of himself. Like, again, how he was talking about, you know, everything about Amsterdam. How a couple episodes ago where he to his to Beard's like frustration is right about irony versus right. hip being hypocrisy, yeah. Hypocrisy. So I'm and I love this. I just love and again, where these two guys came from, Roy and Jamie, mm-hmm. when we first meet them oh, yeah, in they hate each other. season one to to where we are now. To, you you to mean two Jamie where, riding up to the bus with Roy on the back of the bike? Yeah. To, I mean, that. to again, still one of my favorite scenes is where you know Jamie punches his father, mm-hmm. and he's just you know that that 
that fragile scene where he just, you know, you can see it in his eyes. What did I just do? Mm-hmm. And then ev- no one else knows what to do. And then it's Roy that comes to comfort him. Right. And then him teaching Roy how to ride a bike. Which right. This is great. It's great. Is is absolutely great. So, um, yeah. So, uh, other standouts is we find out that Beard performed as uh, Piggy Stardust <laughs> while he was out on his uh, non drug bender. Um, Rebecca loses her phone, but she gets back and she's like, you know, super happy and everything. Uh, yeah, I, I thought this was a great episode from beginning to end. Yeah. And let's not forget the pillow fight. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the pillow fight. That's another one mm-hmm. where. Was that back in season one where I think it was season one where Ted does says that, do we want a movie night or a pillow fight? Oh yeah. One of these times I want. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that he missed that, I, I I mean, it's, it, it it actually plays better that he actually missed it, Mm -hmm. but also the fact that they did that. And then again, at the end of when everybody's on the bus singing, everything's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. That's just such a, perfect ending yep. to that this episode and where this team is now and now they need As, to go know, on an epic run yes that's the only way this works is that they go on an epic yes. run now and win the whole fucking thing to quote ted yes. lasso all right um awesome 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 great episode i i thoroughly enjoyed it i i'm liking the season there 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 were a few moments where i wasn't sure but i am liking this there, season. there same here same here i'm really enjoying it i was yeah. kind of iffy on a couple pot spots but yep. i'm really enjoying it all right let's move on to this the series series finale of picard season three episode 10 so daryl out of five now this is pod racings and i'll explain that in a second what do you oh, this? okay i will do something i haven't done before i am giving this out of five i'm giving this 5.25 okay we need to talk about the scale dave Meltzer. it's a five point scale you can't give it a six star match you can't give it a five and a quarter match dude yes you can so you're saying this episode is beyond perfect that's not what it is you gave something a six before, so let's let's not go there. <laughs> My hypocrisy knows no bounds. <laughs> so. Okay, Doc Holiday. <laughs> um, so okay, I went off with a four point nine five because it was great, but not perfect. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yes, you're you're absolutely right. As far it was close to being, I won't say close. It was very yeah. It was close to being perfect from a sense of everything that it did on screen mm-hmm. and for as far as the story where it gets those extra bonus points. Cause I would have probably given it a 4.8, 4.9. Sure. I gave it those bonus points just because of how complete it made me feel for the next generation crew. Mm-hmm. And that went to me, that went beyond just what they did from a storytelling. Standpoint. It transcended the point scale. There we go. Transcended anyway um okay so we pick up where we left off they're in the enterprise d they're doing their thing they're they're trying to find the borg and like wouldn't you know it jupiter's winking at us (laughs) so the borg yeah the borg are hiding in the eye of the storm in jupiter um which I'm not quite sure, like, how well pressurized the Borg cube is. It must have, like, I mean, it has atmosphere, I guess, because the Enterprise crew can live in there. Um, mm-hmm. But Jupiter, like, that's that's a gas giant. There's some serious gravity there. Mm-hmm. 
like I guess the board cube can live in it. I because I'm pretty sure if the Enterprise D went, well, I guess no, the Enterprise D went, no, because it came out. Okay, anyway, mm-hmm. I don't. Know. I'm just I'm just trying to reconcile with gravity, gravity and the laws of physics here. Um, so anyway, so they, they find the board cube, um, they make their way there in the enterprise D at just a slow ass warp 10. God, they must've been so bored. (laughs) Um, but no, uh, so we find like, we find out more and more stuff. Um, the, uh, Starfleet is is standing up to everything. Um, we find out that that um, Janeway they tied in. They found some way to finally tie in Voyager to all this. Um, like did some stuff that crippled the Borg, um, which was like so the Queen was actually feeding off of the organic material of her flock. Yeah, I still wish it would have been Allison Pill. Yeah, I. I- and again, I don't recall because I didn't see season two. I, I you know, I saw the recap as far as how it ended with her being part of the board mm-hmm. now. I guess this this is a I mean it's a it's a solid explanation because yeah, again, we saw it. what happened yeah. to the Queen. I, I got that. And that's why there were so few, you know, drones on the ship. It's because she was, you know, basically consuming them to stay alive. So I said, Okay, I, I can get that. I you know, it's not the greatest, but it makes sense in this world, I guess. So, especially when you're thinking about the board going, they're going biological now. Right. And, and then, so um, that, I mean, that, and I thought Riker handled it well with the dialogue, you know, like, Hey, right. look, this is decomposing. Like what's happening here. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was good. Um, so the fleet, let's, let's talk about the fleet for a second. So like all the old, all the olds are fighting all the youngs and you know, they're like, we gotta, we gotta take care of the, you know, the, the millennials. We gotta, we gotta get these Antifa fucks out of here. Um, I mean, that's what it was. That was, that was what they were. That's what Terry Maltis was going for. Right. We got to get rid of these, yeah. these millennials and these Gen Zers. Like, yeah, no, no, thank you. Now look what happens. You're a hive mind. You're a death cult. Um, <laughs> but it's not wrong. <laughs> We 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 talked about this at the beginning of the episode. I'm rarely wrong. <laughs> anyway, um, but so like everything's going on there. Seven and the Titan crew are uh, are doing their damnedest with the um, the cloaked Titan. I like that the cook wanted to be a pilot, <laughs> and they're like, "Well, now's your chance, buddy." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, dude, I'm just a cook. I haven't even finished the. Yeah, my my mom got sick on my first day, so I didn't go. <laughs> like, it was like, oh, whatever. It's you now. Let's go. Um, but like that was cool, and how like the board couldn't track them, and like again, they use physics line of sight. If they can't see you, they can't track you. Loved it. Um, you know, so I I thought that was all good. Um, the crew on the ship was good. Uh, I saw a lot of like just like comments leading up to this that they thought they were going to take the Enterprise D as a shuttle to something else, and I'm really glad that they used it. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, again, we're talking about you know using something as a member berry mm-hmm. versus using something effectively in the story. 
And well, and it worked because it's a Mark right. II Viper. It's not. It's not networked. I and we said that last week. Well, I know. Right when they they went to the Enterprise, that's the first thing I thought of. Was like, oh, this is BSG all over mm-hmm. again. I mean, and it's even the Hand of God episode where Lee flies through the tunnel. <laughs> Just saying. Hey, Data, you could learn a thing or two from Lee Adama on piloting. Um. No, that was actually a great scene when they were doing the trench run through the uh, through the Borg ship to destroy the Death Star's power station and, <laughs> you know, fly back out. But luckily, they were able to beam out the people that they left behind instead of them having to find a yeah. Lambda-class shuttle to get away. But <laughs> no, yeah, I, and, I, I thought the, it was really good. What I liked is where Data is where Jordy sees what they have to do. He's like, it's impossible. Right. And I was, I was waiting for when he talked about the odds, I was waiting for data to say, don't tell me the odds. I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I wanted that. I really, I really, really <laughs> wanted that. I'm not going to lie. I, I would have been very happy if that was a thing. Um, but yeah, but so I mean, that, that was cool. And it was cool seeing the Enterprise fly like that. And, and like, yeah. you know, considering there's no like joystick and he's just using um, the AD, ASDW to fly with maybe the the up and down and left and right arrows. I don't know. Um, that that seems like, okay, like one would control the left nacelle and the other would control the right nacelle. Yeah. And the the bombing run, like you said, they do to the bat the gun batteries of the Borg cube and seeing that dr crusher has been pretty busy these last 20 years in tactical experience with her tactical experience mm-hmm. which we talked about this off off air where a, a lot of times shows flub up because they don't know how to explain something and they show something and then they use one line mm-hmm. and it explains it so well where she just says, yeah, a lot has happened in the last 20 years. Right. Which was nice. That's all I needed. Yeah. That's all I needed. That, that's it. That's it. Because even when I was watching, I was like, well, I had this like kind of, huh? And then she said that. Because, again, I'm so caught up in everything. Right. You for, I forget. I for, you know, based mm-hmm. on the first episode, they're running from bounty hunters and, right. or the, uh, right. whatchamacallit, the, the changelings. Yeah. And she was pretty much kicking ass then. Yeah. So. Just because we know her as a doctor, again, 20 years, that's a long time to develop a particular set of skills. I mean, she she's full Brian, what's his name, from Taken, for sure. Yeah. But, but uh, I really like the space battle stuff, not just with the Bork cube, but, and we'll get to, you know, how, what the, you were, we were just kind of hinting about the Titan and mm-hmm. the line of sight thing, and then them say, hey, you know what? We have a cloaking device on right. board. Yeah. Let's try that. But then those lousy Antifa millennials k- kill the cloaking device because we can't have nice things. Yeah, and those were Jordy's kids that did that. God, rotten kids. Jeez, Jordy. Jordy, you should have done a better job raising your kids. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, you know, there, there's all of that going on and everything. Um so the 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 Picard confronting the Borg Queen and she's like, "Yo, Lacutus, what's up, Lacutes? How you doing? Long time no see. Let's uh, let's 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 get this done. Let's 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 quit resisting. The, the futility is not worth it." 
<laughs> um, but Jack is is already jacked into the to the Matrix, um, controlling all the Borg ships as they're taking down Space Dock and the Planetary Shield and all of that stuff. Um, it was it was really it was really cool to see. And then Picard is unplugging everything. And you're like she's telling him you're going to kill him. Like only he can decide. Um, to, only to he live, can decide basically. to live. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Picard's like, he's going to live. He's my kid. Trust me. The plot armor on this one is thick. Like it is like, it's like next level, like Borg technology yeah. plot armor. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, he's unplugging everything. I'm plugging everything. And he finally gets to what he needs to get. And he's like, aha, here it is. And he jams it into his neck. <laughs> it's like, whoa, whoa, hold on. Oh, wait, you are a robot. Never mind. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. Like, I totally forgot for a second that he was a robot. Um, or a synthoid. Excuse me. Um, but then him and Jack have this amazing moment. And, you know, uh, Ed Snurgling, what's his name? Um, Spilliers. Ed Spilliers. Thank you. Um, so I like Ed Snurgling. That's that's what he is from now on. Um, did a great like Pokemon. Did a really good. Yeah, Snurgling does sound like a Pokemon. Did a really good job here. Um, I think this is the best uh, Sir Patrick has looked acting in in quite a bit. This scene, yes. I, I thought he he yes. did a wonderful job, and he he tells he tells Jack what he wants, what he needs to hear. It's like, look, I'm here for you. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. And that, and that, what the kind of that over the top, or what sends it over the top is when he says, "If okay, if you're staying, then I'm going to stay here with you." Mm-hmm. And it's it's such a touching moment because also Picard talks about how you were the thing that I didn't realize I was missing. I joined Starfleet to gain a family, and then yeah. because I for, one of the things I forget is that and I forgot which movie this was. I think it was in a movie or, or maybe where he loses his Picard lost his brother and his nephew uh his brother I think was Renee. Yeah, Renee was his, nephew. was his brother. I don't know. Yeah, one Yeah, he lost both of them. Yeah. And you know, so he's never really had Family. I don't him and his brother were never really close. No, they weren't. Cuz you know, Jean-Luc and, didn't stay on the at the vineyard. He ran off and right. and did his thing. Yeah, so I love that scene was was just incredible. And you're as far as what Sir Patrick Stewart, he looks like he's acting like a different person in right. this season versus the first. Well, I can just say versus the first season of Picard. Because mm-hmm. remember, we yeah you you said his days are long past. Which again, he's eighty something years old. Yeah, I mean that he's... is still. That is still true. I mean, he he's been but, training Jedi for eight hundred years. I mean, he's lived yes. a good long life. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm, I mean, he's going to have some beef stew and disappear later tonight. Yeah. With <laughs> with that being said, <laughs> I didn't think after seeing season one of this that he could reach this level of acting again. I I, I just thought kind of like you know an athlete who, you know, he's not going to you know he's not going to break that sixty yard run yeah. anymore. He just I mean, as someone who's always that. right, I knew he had it in him. No, you're you're a hundred percent. You're a hundred percent on point. Um, yeah. So I mean, this was great. And then you know, they they him and Jack save the day. Again, we get the Enterprise flying out, catching people with the tractor or the uh, the 
not the tractor beam, the teleporter beams on their way out. So nobody dies, which I actually kind of liked. Um, yep. Worf falls asleep on the, on the deck, on the, in the command center. Um, I did find it really interesting that they were able to fly the ship with just four people. Oh yes, uh, like galaxy class starship. Yes, <laughs> it's like wait a second. <laughs> um, yeah, shouldn't Jordy have at so, least been down in like engineering, like running around fixing what, things? That was my initial thought as well, and so that is the, why I got deducted a half of a tenth of a point. <laughs> yes, half of a tenth of a point. <laughs> well, I mean, because like I gave it a four point nine five. Yeah. I mean, like that's you yeah. Know, so yeah, um, but yeah. uh, but yeah. yeah. So, so they save uh, the day. Yeah, we, Everybody's happy. Yeah. The, we find out that Tuvok's not dead. Mm-hmm. Um, we find out that before Shaw died, he he had recommended that Seven get promoted. And it was a great little last send-off for Shaw to see him um, not being a dick. Uh, Kleiner Commander yeah, Hansen, you know. Yeah. Um, so Seven becomes the captain of the Titan. And as uh, and for some reason, Rafi's a spy who's allowed back in Starfleet now. Okay, cool. Yeah, I get I, that. So she's the first officer, and I think they're in a relationship, aren't they? Well, they hinted about that, but okay. what I liked about this season is they didn't they didn't show them in any way. You saw you had a couple looks, but that's it. Yeah, because again, it's about what's going on. Yeah, and I, I didn't I failed to re- mention this. But one of the things I really liked is when they get to, you know, the core of the Death Star, I mean, the core of the Borg ship, mm-hmm. and you see Crusher and Jordy, and Jordy saying, you know, we can wait for them, mm-hmm. or if we die, or if, you know, and everybody dies. Right. And watching Crusher have to process, we do this, I could, I'm likely killing my son. And my baby daddy. Yes that and, and again it's not it's also you know they're killing someone they looked up to right. possibly well not someone three someone right Riker, wharf yeah and picard potentially yeah. right and this is what yeah the way this was written in the sense of them understanding that them not throwing a fit mm-hmm. like you know because that's how modern trek is you throw a fit you cry mm-hmm. you wail and everything the a- anguish in crusher's face yeah. when you see her nod her head like go ahead and do it and she fires the shot that's the yes. important thing that was the most yes. important thing that they did it wasn't jordy or deanna or data like here let me do this she did it she yes. she did what had to be done as a mother as a lover as a as a badass who looked yeah, as a citizen like of Earth, rogue and, just- and was super sexy she was like yeah like we either like or Jordy's like either we die, we all die, or they all die, you know. Yes. So, but yeah, no, it was it was it. Was, this was a great episode. Um, so, um, oh, so Rafi is the first officer on the Titan, and Jack is now the special counsel. Now, the Wikipedia says he's assigned as a Starfleet ensign as a counselor. No, he's special counsel to yes. the captain of the USS Enterprise G. Yes. So they renamed the Titan the Enterprise, which I thought was pretty cool yeah. because I'm assuming the Enterprise F got destroyed right. in the, the battle of Wolf 3-5, I mean, Earth 
takeover. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so it ends with all of the, the old guard having a great little moment, uh, playing poker, laughing, giggling, carrying on like old people do reminiscing. Um, I really liked it, but I want to jump to the end credit scene where if you didn't watch, this is a spoiler. I probably, I almost just turned it off and I was like sitting there doing mm-hmm. something. I kind of let it go. And, uh, you have Jack on the Enterprise, and and he gets a visit from. Uh, it says here from a younger Q, but it's no he a much thinner, um, more svelte uh, John, John Delance. Delance. Um, yeah, Delance. Delancey, Delance. Um, as Q, and he's like, "You're Q. I know all about you. My mom and dad told me about you. You're a piece of shit. <laughs> you like to mess with people. You are Mister Mixolpidilic, actually." Um, <laughs> So just say Q backwards and get the fuck out of here. Um, but Q's like, yeah, no, their story's done. But yours, young buck, your story's just starting. And, and, I, and I like when Jack says, mm-hmm. I thought you were, you know, my father told me, told me yeah. you were dead. He's like, you all think in such linear terms. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was great. Now I want a show called Captain Seven. Um yes. And I wanted to be sponsored by Seven and Seven or Captain and Seven Up, whatever, however you want to do this. Um, so yeah, okay. So rating the season. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Yes. Out of ten, Q Sistance is Q Tile. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do with you, man? What do you give this episode? <laughs> uh, I give this uh, episode an eight point eight eight. Or this series, uh, this season, yeah. 8.88. Cool. I went with a, just a straight eight. Rolled the, rolled the hard eight. Um, I, I thought this season as a whole was very good. There was very little that wasn't interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it made me happy to, uh, to, to see the next gen get its proper send off. Yeah. Now, let me explain. You, the out of 5 now this is pod racings. Data was 100 100% pod racing through yeah. Beggar's Canyon. Just putting it out. Yes, he was. Anyway. Yeah, he was. Cool. All right. On that note, thank you for listening. Do you have anything else you want to add? No, I just yeah. what whatever we get going forward with Star Trek, I really hope that Terry Madalis is at the helm yes. and and this is the important part. He continues with the re- uh, the reverence of Star Trek and the core of what Star Trek means the mm-hmm. way he did with yes. this season. Because this was absolutely a reminder to what Trek means. And again, mm-hmm. there were a lot of things that were better than the original show in here. And I don't just mean the, um, you know, the special effects or fight scenes or what right. have you. Yeah, but, it's just some of the relationships, some of the stories. Absolutely. Yes. But the idea of what Trek is, is about sacrifice. It, the, again, we just talked about what Crusher had to do. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. You know, get, you know, uh, um, approaching conflict like adults, right. for the most part, that's what New Trek has failed to do. Correct. Even Strange New Worlds, which I think is pretty decent. I have a lot of fun with it. It is, it is far, far below what season three of uh, yeah. Picard was, as yep. far as writing and what it means to be a Trek show. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week, hopefully talking about a new badass Lex Luthor. Um, and yeah, cool. All right, you mean Abraham. Yeah. All right. So, 
All righty. Well, we'll see you next week. Talk to you later. Bye. See you. The Infamous Podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. You can find new episodes every Sunday on Apple Podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcast, our website, or anywhere podcasts are downloaded. This show is hosted by Daryl Jasper and me, Brian Tudor. To find more information about the show, visit us at infamouspodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at infamouspodcast to keep up with the show. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash infamous podcast. We have some great rewards for our patrons and are looking for help to grow the show to bring you more of the content you want to hear. Music for this podcast is provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. So whenever you're listening to us, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.